It's time for Series 3 of Shooting the Breeze. As we continue our focus on women's basketball, we'll be talking to more of the amazing players in the WNBL, the coaches that inspire them, those people behind the scenes that do so much for the sport, as well as so many more from across the Australian women's basketball landscape and beyond. It's the 42nd WNBL season, the longest-running women's professional league in the country, and this year, 2022, Sydney will stage the FIBA Women's World Cup, featuring the 12 best women's teams on the planet, playing right here on our turf. There's so much to come in this season. Subscribe, like, and review our podcast so we can get more Hoops content to you. We want to welcome on board the Island Pacific Soap Company as our first commercial partner. They make high-quality, all-natural, handcrafted bath soap. Check them out online, and a big shout-out to Paul for all the support. Joining us on this episode of Shooting the Breeze is Vanessa Panousis. Returning to Sydney from a COVID-impacted 2020 season in Greece, just in time for last year's Sydney lockdown, we can say that she'll be suiting up for the NBL1 East season. Always great company, Ness joins us to give us another viewpoint as we wrap up the 2022 WNBL regular season and gaze into the crystal ball for the WNBL final starting off this week. We're also making calls on what we thought were the standout performances from this season and the teams we think are in the hunt for that championship ring. Welcome to Shooting the Breeze, special episode today. Joining Jacinta Govinda and myself, it's Vanessa Panousis, who we haven't spoken to for about 18 months. Ness, how are you doing? Hi, thanks for having me. Um, I'm doing pretty good, actually. How about you guys? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Thanks. So what have you been up to in the last 18 months? Oh, where do I begin? Um, well, so as you guys know, I think um, I spoke to you guys yeah, 18 months ago. So I was in my second year in Greece. Yep. Um, I was with another team, but I was with the same coach that I had my first year in Greece. So followed him. Um, so got there 2020 in August, um, and then came back 2021. So last year in June, okay. um, had to do the whole hotel quarantine thing. And then five days out from that Sydney were in lockdown um and then yeah so I've just been working part-time um doing a little bit of study online and yeah that's about it really okay Not well, too, too much so what are you studying just personal training online just doing okay. like three and four yeah yeah it's pretty chill not too crazy <laughs> not too crazy and are you playing I will be playing in the NBL one um yeah. hasn't been announced I don't think yet but yeah I will be playing okay um, in the east in the Northern east, east. Yeah. Can you tell us who? Yeah, I'm not sure if I can, so I'd rather <laughs> not just in case. I've, I mean, I probably can, but I don't know, just, just to be safe. <laughs> okay, so where Ness is playing is up there with nuclear launch codes, but that's okay. <laughs> I really, it's really not that serious. <laughs> but, um, you yeah, know, I'm, I'm actually pretty pumped, so, yeah, should be good. Cool. Be good. Yeah. Okay, what we want to get into is the season that's been, what's coming up for the finals, and, you know, MVP and youth player. So let's get into the season that's been. Yeah. And let's talk about the four teams that didn't make it. Let's talk about Sydney. 
they had a pretty broken season with mm. turnover in imports um, yeah, yeah. and everything else. They did start to come good towards the end of the season. I'm putting it out to both of you. What did you think of their performance overall? Well, for me, I mean, they're a young group. So you know that they're only going to go up from here, right? Obviously, like you said, with their imports, broken season, coming in and out. I don't even know how many. I think they ended up having maybe four or five different ones. So obviously, that's going to disrupt your season. But I feel like as a group, they kind of kept together. They were very competitive. They were in most of the games that they played. Um, So, yeah, so I'm sure um, Shane Hill will have them on the right track for the next two seasons. But, yeah, like they're a young group. They're only going to get better. They fought every game. It's not like they gave up and they were blowout games. I mean, they obviously have the talent. It was obviously obviously maybe just a little bit of experience they were missing. And obviously if they had two consistent imports, they would have gone a long way. So, Yeah, yeah. I definitely tend to agree. Like the disruptions at the start weren't ideal. And especially mm-hmm. they were already um, a young group and a brand new group playing together. Yeah, true. So it's one thing to try and uh, band together as a young group who probably have some emerging leaders in their group, probably sure, no one sure. that has like some real hardcore experience of being a leader at this level. But yeah, also the imports didn't help, as we said. But also, yeah, they were, like, I totally agree. They were very competitive. They showed just how talented they are. Sometimes when those games where they were losing by 20 points probably wasn't a real reflection of the game as a whole. Because as you know, it could just be a few minutes in that third quarter where the opposition slips away and you can't kind of, like, get it back. Yeah. But I really liked that they stayed together as a collective and as a team and with that intensity for the whole season because they very could have easily just started to infight and fall in a heap because the season wasn't going their way. So we definitely have to give them credit for sticking together. And yeah. what's one other thing I was going to say? Oh, winning culture. So it's really hard for a new team as well who haven't played together to have that winning culture already developed. So when a game gets into a stretch of those close ones that they that they were losing, unfortunately, they just didn't have that culture developed yet to get them over the line. Yeah, and obviously losing Lauren Mansfield, I mean, her experience, her captaincy and all that stuff. So that was a big blow for them as well. Yeah, yeah. she was probably the one actually. She's probably the one person with uh, a long kind of standing experience of being a leader yeah. in those situations. Yeah, so losing her was a big blow for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think it's one of those teams that – just with a couple of different breaks, would have been mm-hmm. further up the ladder. I'm not sure they would have made it into the finals, but certainly uh, I think they played better than, you know, eighth on the ladder. Yeah, hundred yeah, yeah. Now, the one that really surprised me were the Flyers. You know, mm. last year's champions, this year second from the bottom. To be fair, they did have some issues with, you know, some of the roster not being available for, for a variety of games, you know, COVID protocols and so on. But even still, I think I'd call it they've underperformed this season. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not too sure, obviously, what was going on behind the scenes and all that stuff. But, yeah, you look at the roster and you would kind of expect them to be top four, like a lock-in for sure. I mean, yeah, they did have a few blowout games as well, which, like, you wouldn't really expect from them. I guess it's with every team, with the COVID. I mean, my experience from overseas as well with COVID interrupting the season and all that kind of stuff, it could definitely screw with your head, like, especially as an athlete. Um, you know, being prepared for the season, then you're out for a week or two, trying to get back into it, whether COVID has affected you, like, physically, 
that could have been a thing for many of them if they did get COVID. So we don't know about that. But yeah, I would say as a team, uh, yeah, they probably did underperform, in my opinion, a little bit. Yeah, they definitely had the runaround this season with injuries and COVID and things like that. And on paper, a very talented, very uh, experienced team, like uh, all the team members have played at different uh, types of elite levels. You know, you had Olympians, you've got Christy Wallace now going to the WNBA, uh, emerging Opals like Maddie Rochi. Um, yep. Obviously, Abby Bishop was a big sign for yeah. them to come yeah. back. And no, unfortunately, was a huge boy, I'm sure, as well. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, Beck Cole, too. So, so many names on their roster that we know are like powerhouses. Yeah. I think their downfall was, yeah, that the team got COVID at least once. And so, not only the disruption, but also the recovery. Because I feel like their roster was so good, but then they didn't have enough depth to back them up for those kind of adversities of injuries and COVID. Yeah, and I feel true. like the main players like Abby, Beck Cole, Sarah Blissars, like they were there to perform and play big minutes, but then they didn't have any reprieve of anyone to kind of back them up when they were still recovering from things like COVID or having to prevent injuries and stuff. They had to be like playing 40 minutes at their best every game. Yeah, and, I think- and they also didn't have imports, so we have to remember that as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it was kind of like it, I, I can imagine it would have been such a grind for them to knowing they're yeah. going to work every day and it's just Physically it's all of them. Mm. Yeah. yeah, but if there's one thing that we do know, having a coaching staff like Cheryl and Snelly, they're already sitting down doing the maths on what they're going to do for next season. Oh, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. And I think actually I think the Flames will be as well because they've just got a new like partner in Hoops Capital, a new part owner in Hoops Capital who is probably looking to – uh, hopefully boost the Flames roster as well next year. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a big piece of news that we'll get into in a later podcast where we're going to get into what's happening with some of the, the off-season stuff behind the scenes and with the clubs. Townsville. Townsville, I thought, for a while, were definitely going to be in that final four, the way they were going. Yes. Yeah, something happened at that back end of the season and they just slid. And I'm really surprised because I thought they really had it in the bag. Mm. I feel like in each team, with the teams that didn't make the final, they had one major injury that kind of, you know, spoiled them for the rest of the season. I'm obviously, in this instance, Loz Nicholson. She went down. And then after that, I don't think their Americans played the last few games or the last game. So, I mean, that obviously would have had an effect on them. But, yeah, again, they were in a lot of games, had some close ones as well. So, again, their depth down the stretch of games and all that kind of stuff um, would have had an effect on their results. Yeah, this was a massive surprise this season considering how successful they were last season. Mm -hmm. Um, Given they have a pretty similar roster between the seasons with a couple of additions, I mean with the additions of the two imports in Billings and Sutton, they're they're coming for the title this year and then they just dissolved like to me in reflection I've been kind of thinking about them the last couple like not in a weird way been thinking about their season (laughs) (laughs) I don't feel like I need to say that either so I don't know why I can't trying to cover my ass by saying that um anyway just like having a reflection on their season, I think maybe because people like Steph Reed and Courtney Wood are now really stepping up and carrying the team. Yeah. And 
the other starter's absence. I feel like something was happening in the team off court or dynamics or behind closed doors. I feel like something was happening. There was some disharmony off court that was translating on court because something else that I've picked up in the last couple of days is that Monique Billings very quickly has has gone and already started to do stuff in America. Like she was, I think yeah. it was Sunday afternoon after we went to watch the Flames-Bendigo game, I think I saw on Instagram that she was already in America doing a commentating gig. Like she hauled wow. out of here. Yeah, and um, Sutton was gone as well, right? Yeah, I don't think I even saw them on the bench. So maybe for imports it's tricky where if you're injured and you know your team that you're playing for is not going to make finals, do you just kind of, yeah, yeah, like do you hang out? Like do you risk trying to come back when you know you've got a WNBA contract up your sleeve you don't want to be injured for that? So they're probably placed in tricky situations in that way as well. And Zatina just didn't look happy. Yeah, like her normal self. Yeah, and she's normally like the engine, the bubbly one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like, what happened there with that with that squad? I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. Bit bit disheartening to see a little bit. Mm. Yeah. And now the surprise package of the season, Bendigo. Straight up at the beginning of the season, we we're thinking they were gonna do okay, but young squad, you know, seriously. Very surprised by the fact that they came in in fifth, particularly the way they came back in the back half of the season. If the WNBL season wasn't shortened by those few rounds, I'd be saying they could have been contenders for the finals. Great story there. You know, I mean, I I can't say enough about the way they just fought all the way all season, didn't give up. For sure. I'm just going to say it. I just think Annalie is a machine. <laughs> Non-stop. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just saying now I think she needs to win MVP. I know we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but yeah, um, she was the engine from start to finish. Yeah. Um, she has not got a pause button on her. She's unreal. I'm sorry. Her development, I think, has been amazing. Obviously, everyone has everything, like a lot of things to work on, and I'm sure she knows she has stuff to work on, but just to see her take over games with her effort, diving on loose balls, one percenters and all that kind of stuff. Really inspirational, especially for young kids now to see that, not just, um, you know, come down the court, shoot threes, you know, where everyone sees in the NBA, all that kind of stuff, to really hustle and grind and really succeed on that end, I think was really cool to see. Obviously, other players like Maddie Garrick, Ali Wilson being addition to that team, I think she was great as well, coming in for Leilani. Yeah, they were a really, really good team, especially towards the end of the season. Yeah, I feel like they were another team who were a brand new roster of talented athletes thrown together and they still were just trying to work it out as the season started. So I don't mm-hmm. know if that's kind of a reflection of a limited preseason together or or what. I did expect them to start a bit better, but you could see they were still kind of working it out and then that's when they unfortunately dropped some games. Then you could see the tide was turning a little bit because when they were getting thumped in those early games... They were still sticking together, like staying united and having each other's backs and staying focused on their game plan. So you could start to see the tide turning a little bit with them to show that they were going to kind of finish the season on a, on a high. But when they were called untalented, Ooh, Ooh, I think yeah. they took that to heart. <laughs> that was the fire lit 
yeah from within and they just went into beast mode because it was like it's no kind of exaggeration the players were watching the game where they were referred to as untalented because they put it on their socials yeah and with the very next round they just came out with something to prove Mm -hmm. uh, and they certainly did that and i really think that they were like right let's get this let's prove everyone wrong and they were Amazing, amazing. Yeah. And I'm really glad that you pointed out Maylie's uh, work ethic and her effort levels on the court and how much that's a, a really great role model for young female athletes. I'm really glad you pointed that out. I totally yeah. agree. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, even at the beginning of the season when we did our sort of pre-season thing, we were both calling out Maylie as, as someone to watch, especially on the back of her performance up in the hub. And you wouldn't even think it, but she got better. And she got better all through the season as well. Just amazing. Okay, let's roll into the top four. If you'd asked me two weeks ago, I would have been saying the grand final was going to be Perth and the Caps. Yeah. Now, you know what? It's pretty much anybody could be in the big games. I wouldn't like to sort of hang my hat on it based off the way the positioning in the top four has changed over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah, just looking at the finals. So it's Perth, Caps, and then yep. Melbourne, Adelaide. Yeah. I think Caps have lost the last two, if I'm correct. Last yep. two or they've lost just one. Um, yeah, last two. Yeah. I think when they get going, though, they're pretty hard to stop. Obviously, they import Brittany Sykes. She's a gun on both ends of the floor, offensively and defensively. So it's pretty hard to stop her. But then you look at Perth, they've got the offensive power of Mabry, Young. They've got Loz inside that's been playing really well this season, Yeah. Um, actually, which is awesome to see. Obviously, Sammy Whitcomb, who can shoot it from anywhere. Do everything. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, so I think that matchup is actually going to be really interesting. I'm going to say Perth just because of the home court advantage, but I do yep. really think it's going to be a close close contest between those two teams. And then looking at Melbourne and Adelaide, again, I think it's going to be a close contest, but I think I will go with the Boomers winning that yeah. game of three. So, yeah, what, what I find interesting is that I reckon, like when you said before, Paul, that there were some games like postponed or called off because of COVID and stuff. Yep. If we had at least another two rounds, I wonder if that standing would be different. I think that standing would be different again. Because even though Townsville and Bendigo got to the point of the season where they're like, okay, we definitely can't make finals, they were still competitive and challenging those top four teams. And and those top four teams were like – and beating them. Yeah, beating them. That was – the advantage of that, whether you're not going to make the finals or not, is that you can go and like kind of stuff it up for the rest of them and make it hard for them at the end of the season, which, you know, Townsville – did so Townsville yep. beat Perth in the round that we just saw, which meant that Perth couldn't get the minor premiership and it went to the yeah. Boomers. Yeah. In terms of the Lynx caps, I mean, the last time they met was a whitewash, so mm. that's it's it's really hard to judge because we know how good the caps could be, but as you know, a lot of coaches say, you know, you're only good as your last game or something, whatever. I don't know if I've ever really <laughs> caught into that when coaches say that to me. I'm like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. Are we yeah, are we though? Um, but you know, Gory's going to go home and and do a lot of homework to try. He's, he, I'm sure he's already been preparing for a Perth matchup for ages. Yeah. Um, and I think with the Caps knowing that 
it is going to be his last season as their head coach after he's created such great history at the club. I think they're all going to want to go out and play really, really hard for Gorey. But the interesting thing with Perth is that they've started playing at home after being away for so long and, and then they haven't played as, as well as they were away. Right. Yeah. Um, which is really odd. You don't really see that. Often I mean, maybe because it's been, home. Yeah, I mean, maybe because it's been so long as well since they've practiced there, you know what I mean, not used to the rims. They've been away from there for a little bit. Mm. Um, but, yeah, maybe hopefully maybe their home crowd's going to bring them home. Mm. Yeah. Well, the two-game advantage that they have at home. We had Nat Burton on. One of the things that she was saying was they went through this period where it was like we finished, we had a bit of time, you know, we had a couple of weeks, and then we started playing again at home. So it was almost like the season's finished, oh, and now we've got to start up again, and we're at home and all the family and all these people that we haven't seen for so long. You know, it was a bit disruptive to the routine that they had when they were in Victoria for yeah. all that time. Yeah, especially so, emotionally as well. Yeah. Like same family again and all that stuff. So there's a yeah, lot of factors they, that could go through that. Then they didn't start the season until at least five weeks after five everyone weeks, else. Right? Yeah. That's crazy, crazy. I mean, they should probably get the championship just based on all the adversities they've handled this exactly. season. Exactly. <laughs> right? But I think in that matchup, I think that Brittany Sykes is going to have to, like, just, yeah, um, step a game up to another level to carry the caps over the line mm-hmm. for this semi-final series. I think Perth on paper have everything that you want for a championship and their dynamic between the inside-outside game. Like Lauren Scherf has just come alive this season. Mm, like Ryan sure. Petrick has used her so well, like has just really um, highlighted a lot of her strengths. But on the other side of being such a team like Perth, sometimes there's not a lot of room for everyone to do their bit. And people are going to have to be able to, willing to sacrifice, okay, maybe I'm not going to get 20 points this game, maybe someone else will, if it means we're going to win. But they're their own worst enemy as well. I I feel like it's not so much teams stopping them or disrupting them from their offense. It's it's more uh, that their their unforced errors kind of get the better of them. Yeah. And then, like, just speaking of laws, I think she's just been playing with a different level of confidence. Um, I haven't yeah. really seen his confidence in her in a while, which is really good to see. Um, she's like flourishing. So, yeah, normally I feel like sometimes she would fade away from the basket and like to shoot outside of the key and avoid that contact like from the key. But she's been really embracing it, changing it up inside, outside game, which she has. She has a great outside game. Yeah. Um, and she's actually been dominating inside as well, which was really good to see. Yeah. And, and those clutch threes that she was pulling out every so often, you know. Yeah. The ball goes to Loz and bang, straight down. She's always had that in her bag. Oh, yeah, she has. But it's like this season, I don't know what it is, but it's almost like it's that rapid fire release. It's yeah. Bang and off it goes. And she's confident with it. She knows yeah. it's going in. Okay, so I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say the Boomers for the championship for a couple of reasons. First of all, guys going back to New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And it's been a pretty solid team all the way through, and they seem to, like you said, seem to be peaking at the right end of the season as well. Yeah. So that's it. Uh, I've put my neck on the chopping block. Let's see how it all pans out. (laughs) Yeah, I think I'm going to have to agree with you there on that one as well. I think they've just, like you said, they're peaking at the right time. They obviously have a great roster as well, inside-outside game. Kayla George exploded last game. Um, They have Lindsay Allen, playmaker. Tiffany Mitchell. She can get to the basket. Great defender as well. Their length. Yeah, they're going to be a hard team to stop. 
yeah, I'm going to have to say I think the grand final is going to be Perth and Melbourne. That's my prediction. Okay. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> that, was, that was initially my um, prediction as well. Yeah, purely because, yeah, Melbourne definitely look like they're peaking at the right time. They're another group, though, that can be their own worst enemy in a way where often on offense they get a little bit stuck mm-hmm. um, and a little bit out of sync. And instead of someone kind of taking the ball under their arm and just being a leader and either getting organised or being aggressive to try and ignite the rest of the team, they all just seem like they just kind of like look, stand around and look at each other and go, oh, I thought you were going to do this. No, I thought you were going to. And then nothing gets done. You yeah. know what I mean? Not in, a, mm-hmm. not in like an accusing kind of way, but just where they're a little bit uncertain of what they're doing and they haven't consistently been able to overcome that. So that's in those games where they've dropped that they probably should have won or games that they've only won by a little bit. On paper as well, they they really should be making the finals. But Adelaide's defense against the Caps last round was awesome. And it was consistent, like real high intensity, really consistent for the whole four quarters. And the Caps were just rattled all game. The Caps didn't look comfortable in any of their half-court offense all game. And you could tell that they were getting really frustrated by the end of it perhaps kind of like just giving up a little bit. So mm-hmm. I think if Adelaide come with the same game plan against Melbourne and just completely disrupt them, I don't know, Adelaide might be able to uh, steal the final the final spot from Melbourne. So, yeah, I, and I'm a big Steph Talbot fan, so I'm probably being a bit biased <laughs> as well. But, yeah, both teams have just been so up and down, up and down yeah. all season. Yeah. I haven't seen like a consistent, a stable performance from each team all season. So that, I think that one's because, a little bit harder. Yeah, I think that that has to do with the whole COVID, the disruptions and all yeah. that stuff. So I don't know. It's going to be a really interesting final series. So I'm actually pretty pumped to watch all the games. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, Especially me too. Especially now it's not just a one and done yeah, three games. And then yeah, series. Games. So yeah. It'll be interesting. Oh, I think it's going to be great. I actually can't wait for it to all start on Thursday. Yeah. All right, so the MVP. Well, we already know where you sit on this one, Ness. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I, I can't disagree with you. I can't see any sensible way that Maylie does not get the MVP based off her performance this season. I right. mean, I can't think how many games she didn't hit double-doubles. Yeah. And, yeah, she's just a machine. She's the standout player of the season as far as I'm concerned. And look, I'm not taking anything away from anybody else, but in terms of fighting for the ball and not wanting to give up and that whole never say die attitude, mm. that's it in one package. The only thing that I think if she does not get it yeah. would be that her team did not make finals. That would be for me the only, like, well, yeah. why? Like, what else? Like, why is she not getting the MVP? I think yeah. that would be the only reason why she doesn't. Yeah, that shouldn't be the reason, though. Right. You know, the MVP, I think, can be from a team that doesn't make the finals purely on the basis. It's supposed to be the individual performance. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, just astounding. Astounding performance all season. Yeah, my vote's for Maylee easy. Yeah. And I hope the WNBL start recording, you know, more records than most points scored and most games played because she surely has the most double-doubles, like, of a season. Oh. Surely. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I mean, if we're going back to, like, Trish Fallon days or something like that, Rachel, actually, Rachel Spawn would probably be up there as well. 
But nonetheless, oh, she she's given big Rachel Spawn energy actually, <laughs> yeah. Bailey, isn't she? I don't know why I haven't made that comparison before. But yeah, the the fact that she's been that consistently good all season. Yep. She was still playing in a team. It wasn't like she was playing in a team that didn't have a decent roster. She still was playing in a team that had a really great roster, had a really good dynamic. She was pulling up the same numbers whether she's playing a team that's on the bottom end of the ladder or the top end of the ladder. It wasn't up and down. It was nearly every game. And I think for me, like, yeah, like you said, the argument that she wasn't in a team that were in the top four Having said that, Steph Talbot won MVP and Defensive Player of the Year in the hub season last year. And Adelaide, I think, came second last. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, and and she was playing in a team that probably didn't boast as strong a roster as they have this season. Yeah. So my vote is definitely for Maylee, the Rachel Spawn of our time. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be stoked to hear that comparison. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she's like, that's it. My career's done. My career's done. I've, I've, made I've, I've made it. I've made it. I've made that comparison. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I've peaked my career. That's it. Don't worry about making the Opals of the WNBA. <laughs> and the youth player. So we got in that list is Sam Simons, Shyla Hill, Ezzy McBegger, Jade Melbourne, and Kate Diebel. In my opinion, I think it's going to be Jade. Ooh. Okay, and I'll tell you why. Looking at her numbers, she's posted 9.3 points per game, 2.3 rebounds per game, and 1.2 assists. She's averaged 20 minutes a game, give or take a few seconds, and she's shooting 40% from the field. Ezzy, I mean... She's got WNBA experience. She's within the age limit, but I think she's in a, in a different league in terms of like the youth player, if you're looking at it from the point of view of how many games have they played and how long have they been in the league and are they young up-and-comers. You know, Shyla maybe, but she's been playing so many more minutes per game. Yeah, that's my rationale. I just think that she's my choice for it. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to go with Ezzy. Um, obviously her numbers and also with Melbourne winning the minor premierships, then being in the contest to actually win the championship. Um, I think this is a big step for them as well. I feel like they've been in the hunt for it for so many years and haven't been able to make that step to win it. I think she's a huge piece of their puzzle to win it. Obviously, um, she has to bring her a game like she does every other game, but I think she has to step it up a little bit. And I think she will. I know you said how with the experience, She's had a lot more experience than the other names that are on that list, but she's in the age bracket, so yeah, fair call. Yeah, I think yeah, I think Ezzy deserves it. I think she's played really well this season. Yeah, fair call. Yeah, Ezzy's my pick as well for similar reasons because I feel like if you compare the other you know nominees to compare the other nominees based on like what their role is in their respective teams. Mm-hmm. And considering their age, I feel like, yeah, Ezzy is still a really big part of their of Melbourne's puzzle, like um, Ness was saying. Like she holds a lot more responsibility and I feel like she's re- fulfilling that responsibility really, really well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot that she would even be eligible yeah, consider, for this right, under-23 right. under thing. When I saw her on the list, I was like, oh, well, that's it, done and done. <laughs> Ezzy's got this. Yeah. Um, and she has had injury as well, I guess, this season, and she still had Opal's commitments. But uh, I think 
for Ezzy, considering she's a big part of a successful team. I think it goes to her. But I'm going to throw something out there with this youth under 23 thing. Yeah. I personally would prefer if it stayed as Rookie of the Year for this yeah. reason, that you've got the likes of Kate Diebel and Sam Simons who are making really strong debuts. Like, oh, Kate Diebel. She 100% will be in Opal in a few years' time. Like the way that she has shown so much maturity stepping into a role that she has in that injured Sydney team and even Sam Simons. Sam Simons looks like she's played WNBL for a couple of years, how comfortable she was out there. Like she knew her role in that Adelaide team and she executed it perfectly. Like I feel like I would love for that kind of – I guess milestone for each of them to be recognised if they were like the rookie of the year rather than the under 23 because, mm. yeah, then they're already up against Jade, Ezzy, Shyla, who have, you know, Jade had a great season last year. Shyla's, you know, been on the WNBL roster since she was 14 with the SEQ Stars. Yeah. Um, and Ezzy's Queen Ezzy. Um, <laughs> Ezzy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, need we say more? Um <laughs> Yes, yeah, so I I feel like I would I would prefer if it was stuck as rookie of the year rather than under twenty three. Yeah, yeah, but that's just me. No, it makes, yeah, cool. it makes sense. Cool. But yeah. then we also have like defensive player of the year as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Who are each of you kind of tipping for that? That one I'm undecided on. I think I have Talbot or Sykes mm. with that one. I'm not Steph, sure who I would give it to. Steph Reed's making uh, a bit of a, a late campaign yeah true true um, I just think, um yeah just consistent I would have to go with tablet or cycle I don't know which one but that would be my top two for defensive player of the year mm. yeah I think Steph Talbot she'd been putting in some great performances in the defensive end and it's been pretty consistent yeah I feel I mean I might probably be biased again but I think the easy pick would be Britt Sykes, knowing that she is that's what she's known for in the WNBA mm-hmm. and knowing, I mean, I'm not taking away any of her talent, like her defense and her the way that she can read the play, like anticipate the play is really, really awesome. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, you know, yeah, especially in that last Caps game, Caps Adelaide game, Steph Talbot was really, really good at locking down Sykes and making her feel uncomfortable. So um, I think Steph might have an edge. But that one is, and then obviously Maylie is probably a nominee as well based on all of the rebounds that she's been getting. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, she's also in there grabbing for that ball and she's forced quite a few, you know, jump balls out of it as well. So, yeah, can't rule her out. It's hard to snatch a rebound off of Maylie. <laughs> <laughs> Don't bother. Seriously. Yeah. Just, just run back. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Guys, thanks. This has been great. We should try and see if we could do one of these again after this final series is over yep. before we roll into the grand final and maybe just do a quick sort of check-in on how it all panned out and how right or wrong we got it all. True. That'd actually be interesting. Let's do it. Yeah, how much humble pie am I going to be eating this time? <laughs> <laughs> My pants already don't fit. I can't really afford to eat anymore. Sorry, it's COVID. Just blame it on COVID. Blame it on COVID. <laughs> <laughs> guys thanks so much Ness it's been great catching up with you again I know thank you so much for having me I've loved it yeah it's been nice lots of fun yeah once all this is over you know the back end of the month maybe we'll just get together for a short let's see how we did a little debrief yeah absolutely thanks guys and we'll thank speak so again much. soon see you later
Shooting the Breeze can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast with all your friends.